magazine last year. And it was conducted to see where the happiest people in the world live. Okay, it took account of cost of living, housing, recreation time, wages and holidays. Anybody want to guess which country has the happiest people in the world? Malaysia. No. Sadly not. Bhutan. No. No. Laos. No. Norway. Let's have a look. Okay. In fifth place, <laughs> in fifth place was Australia. Okay, but Judy's left there to come to Malaysia. In fourth place was New Zealand. Anybody from New Zealand? No? Must be something about those two countries, the, 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 the lifestyle they live that makes them really happy. Third place was Sweden. Second place was Denmark. And the happiest country to live in, the people where most people are happy, was Norway. I think it's something to do with the fact that it's dark for six months a year. Maybe they just spend a lot of time sleeping. But clearly, they are the happiest. Right, there are 197 countries in the world. Would anybody like to guess where the UK came in that? Uh, there are 197 countries in the world. Where do you think the UK came in the list of countries? The bottom. Not quite the bottom. <laughs> 50. Okay, that's pretty good. The UK came 41st. What about Malaysia? Higher or lower than the UK? Hands up for higher. Hand, ooh, hands up for lower. Oh, you are all so wrong. Malaysia came 8th. <laughs> It is possible. Malaysia came eighth. So frankly, as far as I'm concerned, I should be sitting down because I clearly am very unhappy and miserable. And somebody from Malaysia should be up here telling me how to be content. Right. But how do you get to be content in the circumstances that God has given you? How often do you find yourself thinking, if only I had more time or if only I had more money, or if only I had a job, or a better job, or a different job. If only I was better at making friends. If only I had more friends, or different friends. If only I had a bigger house. Or maybe if only I had a smaller house so I didn't have to do so much cleaning. If only I had a boyfriend. If only I had a husband. If only I had a divorce. If only I had children, or if only my children would grow up and leave home and leave me in peace. If only I was more disciplined, then I would be content. Sometimes we even make complaints about our circumstances and make them sound spiritual as though that excuses the fact that we're complaining. If only I had a bigger house, then I could serve God better. I could be so much more hospitable, but I really need that bigger house. If only I were married, 
then together we could serve God. We could lead home fellowship groups and growth groups. We could be involved together in ministry. But I'd need to be married first. If only I had more money, then I could support more people and be more generous and support Christian work around the world. I could give more to the church and be far more generous to my family and friends. But I'd need more money. Well, in fact, if only I had more money has been the constant cry ever since money was first invented thousands of years ago. It is nothing new at all. Money has always been the route to power and to success and to supposed happiness. But being rich does not necessarily lead to happiness. The newspapers and the magazines are full of people who are rich and who are unhappy. Who are rich and who have then squandered or abused their money, their wealth, and are left with nothing other than a trail of destroyed relationships and destroyed ambitions and destroyed hopes. Nelson Rockefeller was at one time the most wealthy man in the whole of the United States of America. You've perhaps heard of him. But when Time magazine asked him the question, how much money does it take to make a person happy? His answer was, just a little bit more. And that's what it's like, isn't it? Whatever we have, we want a little bit more. We want it to be a little bit bigger, a little bit better, and a little bit more of it. So how can we be content in our circumstances? Because money and possessions are never the answer. Having enough is as elusive as, elusive as finding the end of the rainbow. You will never get there. You will never have enough. It just isn't possible. There's the story of a man who was standing outside um, a place in London and shouting out, will anybody give me 50 pounds? Please, would somebody give me 50 pounds? All I need is 50 pounds. And apparently, miraculously, somebody, some passerby handed him 50 pounds. And then the man was heard to say afterwards, oh, should have asked for 100. <laughs> if we're looking for happiness and contentment through the things that we have, then we will never find them. I have, for a very long time, wanted a Kath Kidson handbag. They're so expensive in the UK, but I knew that I'd be able to get a fake one here in Chinatown. So here it is, my new Kath Kidson bag. I'm very proud of it. I really love it. It's exactly what I wanted, and I am very happy to have it. However, I know that next year it'll be old, there'll be something else that I want. We are fickle creatures and we are not content with the things that we have. We are restless and always wanting the next experience, the next possession, the next excitement. So money and possessions are never going to be the answer to contentment. People are never going to be the answer either. They let us down in the same way 
as we let other people down. We think that if we have a new friend or a new colleague, a new boss, a new workmate, a new family, then that will make us happy. But our new best friend, the new love of our life, the new boss, the new people that we think will make us happy, will not. Because we are all sinful and flawed people, as the Bible tells us. We will all fail to live up to each other's expectations. We can never meet the expectations that everybody has of us. So people are likewise never the answer. So let's learn from someone that did find the answer, that wasn't on a constant quest to, for the next thing, the next excitement, the next experience. He was genuinely happy with what he had, with the life he was given, with what God, the situation, with what God had put him in. So we're going to look at what the Apostle Paul has to say about contentment. So again, if in your groups, if you want to turn to page 9, In your booklets, we're going to look at the passage from Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, and then there are some questions on your sheets. So again, I'll give you 10 minutes or so to read that passage, to look through it, and to answer some of those questions. When we have our drinks in about 10-15 minutes, then um, obviously you have to stretch your legs, use the facilities if you need to, but then perhaps come back and continue to discuss those questions in your groups. Okay, so Paul, he was writing whilst he was in prison in Rome. He was in chains, and yet 16 times in this very short letter that he wrote to the little church in Philippi, he speaks of joy. He is able to be joyful even in the most awful circumstances. He knows that God is in control no matter what those circumstances are. And joy isn't just a short fleeting feeling of sort of 30 seconds of happiness. Joy is a much more meaningful, deeply rooted thing that wells up from our hearts. It's a feeling of contentment. So the first thing that hopefully you saw from Paul is that it is possible to learn to be content. It is possible to be content. It should show up. Um, I can do everything in him who gives me strength. It is and a great encouragement to know that Paul was content. And if Paul can be content in his awful situation, then so can we be. But how is it possible? What is that secret of contentment? Well, hopefully you did see that it is possible because I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So it's God that strengthens Paul and will strengthen us to be able to do all things. Well, that sounds amazing, doesn't it? Absolutely fantastic. Does that mean that we're all going to become super women as, as Christians? That we should go and get our underpants and put them on top of our, our normal trousers? We should don our cape and off we go. Superwoman to the rescue. Superwomen can do anything. Is that what it means? Of course not. But nor does it mean that we should grit our teeth and say, I can do this because I know God's going to help me. 
Okay, it doesn't mean that either. It doesn't mean that we'll suddenly have the ability to do whatever we have wanted to do. I've always wanted to fly. I often dream that I can fly, and apparently that's a bit weird. But I've always wanted to fly. But it doesn't mean that as a Christian, because God gives me the strength, I'm going to be able to fly off. But it does mean that God gives Paul and will give us the ability or the strength to learn to be content in whatever situation he has put us. Paul is able to be content because God has given him the strength. The strength not to just put up with a situation, to learn to live with it, to just get on with it, but actually to be content in it. So secondly, so firstly we've learned it's possible to be content. Secondly, we learn from Paul that we have to learn to be content. Um, and no, 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 no. It's just not going to show up. Sorry, there should be some more in red or whatever that shows that it... So I highlighted there, I have learnt to be content, it says, and I have learnt the secret of being content. So twice in that short passage, it says, I've learnt to be content and I've learnt the secret of being content. So the world says, if we don't like our circumstances, if we don't like our job, go get a new one. If we don't like our husband anymore, go get a new one. If we don't like our car or our house, change it. If we don't like our clothes, go buy new ones. The world says if you don't like where you are, change it. It says that you'll be content if you get what you want. You are yourself's priority. You are number one in your own life. But Paul doesn't say that. Paul teaches that we can find contentment even in those really bad situations. But we will have to learn it. It won't come easily or naturally to us. It isn't something that we'll suddenly be able to do. It's a bit like going back to grade one or year one at school and starting all over again, learning to do something that's actually quite hard. Now, I don't know what you found hard at school. For me, it was languages. So it would be like going back to the very beginning and trying to work out what all these strange words mean. But gradually, you get better. You learn a few words, and then you learn more and more. And before you know where you are, you can actually say a sentence. And you can even understand what somebody says. And in the same way, Paul says we have to learn to be content. It's going to take practice, and it's going to take hard work. I teach the piano back at home in my evenings. And it is always very, very clear whether my pupils have done any practice that week. It is patently obvious whether they have learnt anything. I'm not sure whether I could learn to speak BM or Mandarin. It sounds so impossibly difficult to my ears. But I know that if I could, life would be a lot easier here. I would understand people in the markets. I'd understand what they're saying about me. I'd be able to reply. I'd be able to talk to people about my faith that I meet. It would be a darn sight easier if I could learn to do that and then practice it. 
it would be worth it. So learning to be content will take hard work and a conscious effort. And because of our sinful and self-centred nature, it won't come easily. It won't be something that we naturally do. It will be something we have to train ourselves to do. For those of you that have got children, you will know you, you train them to do things. They don't automatically do the right thing. You have to encourage them to do that. We will have to train ourselves to be content, to not grumble in our situations. We will have to practice not always wanting the next thing, not always wanting what everybody else has, not wanting things that we can't achieve. And we will have to teach ourselves that it is God who is trustworthy and faithful, and he is the one that will strengthen us to be able to endure and to uh, enjoy and to even be content in our situations. But it will be worth it each and every day. It will be worth it because we'll be able to be grateful to God for what he has given us, for the situations that we're in and for the opportunities that we have to shine as stars, as Paul says earlier on in Philippians, to shine as stars to those around us. So finally, we can see that we need to be content in each and every situation. We've seen that it's possible to be content. We've seen that we need to learn to be content. But we can also learn to be content in each situation, whatever the circumstances, and in each and every situation, Paul says. Paul wasn't writing this from the luxury of the revamped Hotel Majestic. He was writing this from prison, where he was chained up. He didn't have fantastic food brought to him on a plate whenever he wanted it. He didn't have a gym and spa pools to relax and bathe in. He had no money, no friends. He was living in squalor and was awaiting sentence of death. He knew that God could have broken his chains. God could have smashed them apart and broken down the door to his prison. Because after all, God had already done that for him and Silas when they were in Philippi. And if you don't know that story, you can read that in Acts chapter 16. So Paul knew that that could happen, that God could do that for him. But yet Paul trusts that even in prison in Rome, he can be content knowing that God is in control, that he could trust him in all things, even whether he lived or whether he died there. Every situation, every is a big word. Every is hourly, daily, weekly, monthly, annually, always. We can learn to be content with what God has planned for us. So just for a moment, think about the situations that you'd quite like to change in your life. Can you and will you trust God in each of those? Can you learn to be content in them? 
Now, please don't get me wrong. There are some situations in life, like domestic violence or bullying or victimization at work, where you don't need to be content. Those situations need to be challenged and changed and brought to people's attention. But the situations where we do need to be content, where we do need to be satisfied with our circumstances, are where we're wanting to change them for our own sake, for our own selfishness, for our own selfish desires, where we're wanting to look good before other people, where we're wanting to change things so that we think we can be happy. It's those situations where we must learn to be content. Well, I have really struggled with this personally. My husband died a little over three years ago. We were a good team. We served God together. We encouraged and challenged each other and our children to grow in the knowledge and love of our Lord. We led various ministries at church. We were hospitable in our home. We were able to travel and see different areas of the world. We were happy and I thought I was content. And then he died. Whilst he was in hospital for seven months, I lost my part-time job teaching as the school couldn't keep the job open for me. And after he died, I found there was no money. There was no pension because as he'd worked for Robert Maxwell, when Maxwell jumped overboard off the ship, he took the 27 years of pension that Mark had built up and there was none left. So all of a sudden, I had no money and no husband. I had to work full time and I was absolutely not content. However, God has been so generous and kind to me. In his great mercy, he has given me the best job in the world. A job, in fact, that I had been offered before he was ill and which I'd refused because I was selfish and content with the life I had. I now have the great joy of teaching kids every day about the Lord Jesus in schools, in after-school clubs, in assemblies, in camps, in weekends away, in holiday clubs, and obviously each week through our Sunday schools. I have the best job in the world, to teach and to train children to know and love the Lord Jesus there is nothing better that it's possible to do. And I wouldn't have that job if my circumstances hadn't changed. So in a very strange way, I am grateful that Mark died because I now have this opportunity. Now that doesn't mean that life is all wonderful and hunky-dory, as we say in the UK. I still find times really hard. I am often discontent, I am lonely, and I am sad. I'm really annoyed that I'm no longer able to be hospitable on a Sunday anymore, as I seem to just live at church. But my faith and my children's faith is stronger than ever before, because each day we have seen and felt the love of God helping us, giving us confidence and strength to face what lies ahead. Each and every day, we are able to say, I can do everything because it is God 
who gives us the strength. So I am learning to be content daily. Now Paul says that he learnt to be content in need and in hunger. And that seems totally understandable, doesn't it? Because those times are when you'd think we need to learn contentment. But he also says he needed to learn to be content when he had plenty and when he was well fed. And you might think that's a real surprise. Why did he learn, have to learn to be content in those good times? Well, I think like myself earlier, in the good times, that's when we become complacent rather than content. We become less thankful and less grateful to God for all that he's given and for all that he's done for us. We tend to forget what he has done in sending the Lord Jesus. We rely more on ourselves and less on God. So we, like Paul, need to learn to be content and trusting in Jesus, even in times of plenty, to remember all that God has done for us. So, I owe you, if only you could learn to be content in your circumstances. Well, like Paul, we need to learn this. It will take effort and practice, but it will be worth it. We need to learn to be satisfied with what God has given us. And we need to remember that this life is only for now. One day we will be in a better place, a new world, where we will know every blessing that God our Father can shower on us and where we will be totally content in our circumstances. So for now, how to be content in our circumstances? Let's learn to be satisfied with what God has given us. And right now, he has given us the provision of food and drink. So we're going to take a break for 15 minutes or so. Do go and get that and do come back and discuss some more of those questions around your tables. Thank you.